You're about to hear a podcast recorded before our rebrand, so you might hear us mention our previous brand name, We Are Radical, or our original podcast name, The Radicalist. We're still the same show with the same hosts on the same mission. And if you'd like to find out how we got here, you'll find our journey on the stories page of obuinvest.com. Hello and welcome to the Radicalist podcast, where we have frank conversations with fierce women founders. This is the podcast about not settling, full of honest conversations with women who have wanted to build their own businesses and did. If you're making the tough but incredible decision to start up, sustain or scale your own business, we've got you. Because we're a podcast by, for and about women who do exactly that. Women looking that leap in the eye, women taking their first steps as founders, women with stories about the journeys they've been on, the hacks that have helped and everything they've seen along the way. Women like us and women like you. We're Sarah King and Claire Dunn and we're the founders of We Are Radical and this is The Radicalist Podcast. This week we're talking to Sarah Christie, founder of By Sarah Christie. It was brilliant to talk to Sarah and her passion for changing the face of fashion and creating sustainable fashion brands in the UK is so disruptive and purposeful. It was an absolute joy to talk to her. In this episode, Sarah talks to us about moving from a corporate career in Next to being an entrepreneur and designer in her own right. She shares with us the challenges of starting a business that balances both purpose and profit. Sarah's using her own experiences as a black entrepreneur to help nurture more diverse talent and taking on the responsibility to disrupt the narrative. Let's get into the conversation now. Sarah, welcome to The Radicalist. It's absolutely brilliant to be able to spend some time with you today. Wonderful to be here. So we've got a whole load of questions we want to dive into with you. And before we get on to talking about your business and what it's become, can we go back in time a little bit to 2018? So 2018 is when you made your leap from next, from your corporate career. Was entrepreneurship something that always appealed to you? Had you always had this idea to start your own business? I mean, it's always been a dream of mine, absolutely, from a very young age to have my own design brand has absolutely been at the top of my my goals. But I think the corporate career, having been in it for 12 years, served me really well. You know, it, I'd worked my way up from handbag design assistant to become a design manager. And I'm so very, very grateful for all of the knowledge and the skills that I acquired during my time there. And my eyes were really open to the full cycle of high street fashion from concept, design, manufacturing and route to market. So it's given me a real good insight into all of the cogs that I needed to be aware of in order to make my brand function. Over time, it became more apparent that my designs were doing really well. You know, they were performing great. They were becoming great bestsellers and there was positive sales reports. So I began to question well, why can't I start to do this myself? And why can't I reap the benefits of my own success and diversify my talents and skills outside of Next? And I think it also became clear that my career and my self-growth started to plateau slightly. And also then I had my first child, Freddie, and the inflexibility wasn't there. So trying to balance life and work became quite difficult. So they almost were contributing factors and triggers that kind of signalled me for now was the time to crack on and, and get my own business up and running. It's an incredible and all of that learning that you bring with you from a really hefty corporate career into then your leap into designing your own brand. 
But when you first made that leap, how did that feel? Did you feel really confident going into that leap? Did that feel like it took ages to get there? It's kind of, where were you at? I mean, I was absolutely ready. Once I'd made that decision to leave, I was ready. But I won't underestimate how daunting it felt also and and how scary it was to kind of be self-reliant on now in terms of earning my money. I was used to amazing shares, you know, a a regular pay pack coming Mm. in and a a good one at that. So to kind of leave all that behind and now be responsible for my own time and my earnings was definitely a, a, a tricky transition. But what I will say is in 2018 when I left is when I connected with you ladies as well. And that having that forum of other female entrepreneurs at different stages of their business was really helpful and really reassuring that I wasn't alone. So I think connecting with other females was absolutely the right thing to do Mm -hmm. at that time. It's interesting, isn't it? When you when you go from a corporate career where you know your routines, you know the people that you work with day in, day out, and then you make that step into entrepreneurship. And like overnight, that kind of disappears. Yes. And and yes. so you don't have the person that you bump into at the coffee machine to have a chat with about your latest thinking or your latest idea. That formality isn't there. Mm. No, absolutely. And I think that's why connecting with other women, mm. although they might not have been in the design industry, was really helpful. And I think when I stepped out, I continued my relationships with two suppliers that I had worked with for over 12 years. So I still had that connection there and I still had connections with Next. So the leap, although it was a very different one, was almost like a softer transition, if you like. I, I knew I could earn money. So I was confident in that sense that I could earn money through doing it myself. But I wanted not to just design for Next again. Right. You know, it was the idea was to broaden my my spectrum of of new retailers and and work in a very different way. So it sounds as though you kind of, there was a period of time whilst you were still in your corporate career where you'd started to realise, yeah, you know what, I'm going to set up a business. And as you've described, all of that experience that you had at Next set you up really well to make your leave. But when you look back on that moment and maybe the first few months, Are there any lessons that you feel that you've learned or are there things that you would have done differently? I think looking back, I could probably list a few things that I may have done differently, but I think that's all part of the course, Mm. isn't it? You know, I think one thing I've learned is don't be afraid to make mistakes. You know, we are allowed to make mistakes. And I think if I could tell myself that now, those mistakes weren't detrimental. They were just learning curves. You know, we don't have a crystal ball to predict the future. So it's about accepting that and not letting that kind of fear of making mistakes overwhelm me if you like Mm. so I think that would be my only lesson is is don't be afraid to just accept that mistakes may happen but that's the only way we're going to learn isn't it right but I don't think I have any major regrets on anything at all I think when I look back over the last three years I think I can kind of be very grateful for how far I've come. So I'm looking forward to the future. And so much has happened over that period of time. And we've had the pleasure of knowing you since you made your leap from your corporate career. And so watching your story unfold and your business develop, I'd love to go back and hear from you to understand, well, what was the first intention, I guess, of when you made that leap and and what did that look like versus how has that evolved and what does that look like for you now? I think having, again, moved away from a big global company, the one key thing that was and is still important to me is I wanted to make it personal. I wanted it to represent myself. 
when I left Next, I started by seven design, seven being my lucky number. And it saw me offer my designs and consultancy advice to other high street retailers. You know, I was front of house and I was showcasing me and my creativity, my knowledge and my skills. And I wanted to create that feeling of it's personal. This is me. Because I think having worked in the corporate business, my designs were being swallowed up with the rest of everything else. And recognition, I think, is not that I needed the recognition, but you're just a number, if mm-hmm. you like. And I wanted to be representing me and all that I valued, if you like. And my brand by Sarah Christie is absolutely no different. You know, so that was a, a natural, natural progression. My brand is an extension of me. You know, it's who I am. My brand tells the story of who I am today and how my family my upbringing identity has shaped and influenced me. You know, when you go onto the website, you see how I talk about my the importance of my grandparents and the influences that they had on me, the importance of dressing well and stepping out with their heads held high was their way of showing resilience to certain hostilities that they face daily. And that's kind of stuck and shaped me and shaped the brand that you see today, the importance of dress and style and its empowerment that it can have. That's amazing. What an incredible story and evolution of the brand from working for Next and seeing your works there to then across multiple brands and the consultancy work that you're doing and now into, well, two of your own brands. Bringing it back. Bringing it back. Yeah, Yeah, bringing it back, bringing it back and, and just taking ownership on it. You know, I think I've seen how well the designs have been accepted and taken on board from other retailers. And now to bring it back into mind is, although it's a slightly different brief, it's very exciting to do that and and to own it and to meander it where I want it to go. Nice. So Sarah, when you, when Mm. you leapt from your corporate career, you were designing for high street brands um, and your products were within their retail spaces. Yes. But your business has kind of evolved from that and, and you've developed your own brand. Can you tell us a bit more about your business as it is today? Yes. So my business as it stands today is of two parts. So by default, almost, it's become a jewellery accessory brand. And that simply came by the fact that I wanted to purchase a beautiful statement chain that was of good quality and it was affordable and I couldn't find it. So I basically designed it and had it made. I wore it. I posted it. I got responses. I made a small order, posted it, shared it, sold it, bought some more, sold out, bought some more. And I think it without having to plan a business, it started to turn into a business. And I knew there was a massive opportunity here. And although bags is my my main number one area, if you like, my expertise, the jewellery was just something I got really excited about because it's it was such a simple piece that completely changed the look of all my outfits. It was the go-to accessory that I needed just to update my look. And then obviously 2020 came and we were all locked down, yeah. you know, and all my travel seized, my business accounts that I'd worked with, again, they were completely scared and orders were being cancelled, you know, retails were being closed down. So it was a great opportunity, if you like, for me to just stop, recalibrate, reassess what it is that I really wanted to do. And like I said at the very beginning, having my own brand was absolutely where I ultimately wanted to go. And Stepping out of Next, working with the other brands was just almost a stepping stone to get to where I was. But the lockdown was absolutely a catalyst Mm. to get that up and moving. We're all at home. We're all Zoom calling. I've got nothing on underneath here. You know, we only needed to dress from here upwards. So it was brilliant. So and that was what was lovely was just how organically it started to kind of form. 
And now I'm at stage two of the business where I've got then the bags coming through, which seems to be the right time. So that's where I'm up to. Yeah. It's really interesting hearing you reflect on that because, you know, when we first met, you were doing consultancy work. You talked to us about your dream and your ambition for your own brand. And it was it was something that was in the future. I think it's really interesting how we know that the pandemic has been intense and it's been stressful but we've also seen some real innovation and some acceleration of people's ambitions because as you described the retail sector shifted contracts were paused but that gave you the opportunity to kind of accelerate your work on your own brand it really did and I think there are other catalysts involved as well I mean in the March I discovered I was having my second child which again was a beautiful surprise but it was a factor that I wanted to ensure that I got the business up and running before Remy came along. I mean, he picked to the post two weeks before the brand <laughs> was launched. But it was that was, again, another thing to work towards, you know, to, to make sure that I had it up and running. All the hard work was done at the front end. Yeah. And again, we were doing it all virtually. You know, I wasn't able to hop on a flight and do the designs out there. It was all done virtually. So, again, I was able to take my time with that. And I think also the Black Lives Matter protests and and everything that was surrounding that almost gave me the power to think, no, I've got to do this. You know, I've got to stand up and be seen and be counted and follow my dreams and crack on with it. And I think, again, the the UK Black Business Show that was happening in the October, unfortunately, got cancelled. But that also acted as a catalyst because I wanted to be there Mm. and I wanted to show up. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, it was a a busy year. Busy year. A good one. Babies business. (laughs) Yeah, it was a good year. So we've talked a few times and you've referred to it as kind of this sense of coming back to yourself, of kind of stepping into your own brand. It's so anchored into your values and what is important to you. And and that feels so not just relevant, but absolutely core to the brand that you're building now. Yes. Can you give us some examples of those values and how you've woven them into your business and how that kind of shows through? Yeah, I mean, the brand by Sarah Christie definitely reinforces the point that looking good isn't about self-importance, it's about self-respect. And that that really stems from, again, my grandparents coming over and the importance of style and dress was to them and how that always kind of seemed to feed through, even in my the way my mother brought me up. You know, I think she always wanted to make sure that we were turned out correctly, if you like. I think other parts of the brand to bear in mind is that I'm very conscious about sustainability and producing responsibly. I know that clothes are a powerful tool to express who we are to the world, but we don't need to overconsume in the process of doing that. From an early age, I know I've always been attracted to good quality products and I would rather save my money for one piece rather than just frivolously spending money on a number of items. Poor quality completely turns me off. So making sure that the the product that I'm producing is of the standard that I would wear that's my benchmark. I'm continuously looking at my impact on the environment personally and professionally. As I mentioned before, the brand was created virtually. So again, my carbon footprint was very much lower than it would have been had I decided to take a trip over. And I think having done that now, I know it's possible to do virtual designing and do it well. My jewellery designs are made to last. So they transcend seasons, trends and time, making them good investment pieces to own. And I think As we've kind of talked about, you know, for me, they're a potent tool that can kind of give your updated wardrobe a new lease of life. They can make a simple T-shirt look extremely glamorous. (laughs) They're a really good accessory to kind of invest into and you would use time and time again. 
And then stage two of the brand is the launch of the handbag collection. I've already kind of teased a couple of posts on Instagram and the response has been really, really good without even saying anything, you know. And it's kind of made me see that perhaps there's an opportunity to do the made to order rather than buying a a load and and preempting what people want, but actually give them the opportunity to pre-order and do a made to order. And again, that will eliminate wastage and overconsumption. The manufacturer that I'm using is certified with the LWG, which is the Leather Working Group, and they're responsible for sourcing environmental certified tanners, looking at ways in which they can reduce energy and water usage and and harmful chemicals. So I'm aware and I'm trying to do my bit, and I'm sure there's lots more to learn along the way. That's amazing, though. And I think having... When you have those values to anchor back to as you're building out your business, they are so informative then for the decisions that you make, like which are the manufacturers that I'm going to work with? How will I place orders? Do I put the power in the hands of the consumer and allow them to inform the buying process rather than me bulk buying loads and and not knowing where that might end up? And I think it's the complete antithesis of, of what the high street's all about, which is what I want to move away from. And I think even when you look up at the luxury brands, they're also looking and being more aware of, okay, well, we have the opportunity to facilitate a pre-order or a made-to-order. That's how I would want to go into buying something new, that if I'm investing some money into a leather piece, to have the opportunities to look at my swatches and go, okay, you know what, I'm going to go with this one and take your time over something. Whatever I buy, I always deliberate (laughs) for lengths of time. Is it what I want? Can I wear it multiple times? Is it going to serve me? And is it going to see me over the up and coming years? Mm, yeah. It's always come through in our conversations with you, Sarah, how vision and values led you are. And I know we've had conversations around, as a business owner, how much of it is about your strategy and your plan versus allowing your business to grow organically. And I think your story is a brilliant example whereby actually as entrepreneurs we can allow ourselves to be fueled by that vision and that aspiration for what we want to build our values and then kind of trust in ourselves that we'll make decisions we'll take actions that take us in the direction of that vision rather than needing to be sort of bound by a plan and if everything doesn't go to that plan then we failed then we failed yeah and I think I know for the first couple of years of stepping out from Next, I felt like I was doing myself a disservice by not getting everything done. And it took me a while just to kind of relax on that and know that this was a stepping stone to get to where I needed to get to. And as long as I kept that vision in mind of what I wanted to achieve, well, meandering towards it, I think naturally Mm -hmm. anyway, the decisions that you make or the the jobs that you decide to decline, you know, equally have got me to where I've I am now yeah because I kept that foresight you know kept the vision of what I wanted to achieve and I'm now not doing what I had to do in order to get to where I am now so right right one of the values that we know is really important to you and you you touched on it earlier when you mentioned the role that the Black Lives Matter movement had on how your business has grown and evolved is your value around nurturing young talent within the fashion sector and also your awareness of being a black woman, a black woman entrepreneur. I wonder if you can just talk to us a little about why that's important to you and what changes you'd like to see, either within the fashion sector or within the world of entrepreneurship, to see more diverse talent and more diverse entrepreneurs coming through. Yeah, 
we all have the ability and we all have the responsibility to disrupt the narrative. And there seems to be a lot of noise out there at the minute. We know everyone seems to be an activist or a change maker. You know, you see influencers tagging themselves on bios, but are they really, you know, I question, and am I really, I question, you know, and I think there's that overwhelming sense that modern day activism is taking place on social media. It makes a lot of noise. We read a post, we get angry, we repost it. We might sign a petition, we post that. It's loud and performative, but I wonder how much action is really being taken because you can't see what happens behind, you know, is it just something that then stops and moves on? I've seen it happens. So I think in terms of my impact and what how I want to make a difference is something that becomes tangible, something that I can see, something that I can feel, something that can be measured as well. I think right now as it stands, I'm holding baby and, and running the business, there's only so much I can do. But what I know I can do at the moment is represent and be a role model. You know, I can show up and I can be counted, I can be seen and I can inspire. And that's absolutely where I'm starting. I'm used to working in a business that doesn't look like me. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it be at university, studying for my BA or in my workplace, I was like a fly in a bowl of milk. You know, know, it didn't it doesn't go unnoticed. My exposure or absence rather of a black teacher or a lecturer you know, it's been very apparent. And whenever I have found someone, and that has definitely been someone that I've sourced outside of those arenas, you know, I've gained a lot of, I suppose, motivation and belief that you can do something, but I've had to seek that out. I strongly believe in that sense that you can't be what you can't see. So my role is to be seen. You know, we rely on stories, we rely on examples, rely on leaders, and even just images to kind of point us in the direction of our potential and if we can't see these then we're kind of left unaware and unable and I know there's other girls and boys out there with big ambitions and big dreams but perhaps if they're not seeing examples of that I think it's really hard for for you to kind of to take that path so yes representation is extremely important to me what I would like to do is affect change at grassroots level you know when I see like the mothers that relentlessly continue to question their child's teachings at school you know they're continuously going back it's a continue attempt to change something it's not just a like we said make a lot of noise and then it kind of goes down it's that continuously going at something and even my sister who now is a governor for her school is rewriting and restructuring black history and how it's taught and putting a positive spin on everything and and looking at modern day figures and not just focusing on the negativity of of what black history tends to represent Mm. So she's working really hard. And it's those women that are doing those bits behind the scene that isn't necessarily being shouted about. So I would like to go in at grassroots level and contact local schools and universities and reach out to black and brown girls and boys that want to get into the field. And perhaps I can bolster their confidence. Maybe I can help mentor them. Maybe I can even share my platform with them and, you know, showcase new and up and talent, mm. up and coming talents, you know. And I hope that the UK Black Business Show that happens this year will kind of help me connect with other like-minded men and women that will be able to help me as well find a route in to get into the people and actually touch and see a change. So that's where my, my vision is yeah. is heading towards. It's so important in the UK and globally that we disrupt We talk about it as in disrupt the dominant narrative of entrepreneurship, this idea that 
to be a successful entrepreneur, you need to look and sound a particular way and, and your background and your story needs to follow a certain path. And, and the way that you grow your business needs to be done following a certain set of rules that maybe we don't all understand. Or certainly when we do understand them, actually, we don't want to follow them. We don't want to follow them. Right. And, and I think yes. it's so important that as entrepreneurs who don't fit that dominant narrative, we have the courage to share our stories. And that for Claire and I was one of the reasons we wanted to create this podcast because it's a platform that we're able to provide to say, look at all of these incredible women, all of whom have different stories, different backgrounds, and who are building their businesses in a way that works for them and their aspirations and their lives. And I think you, you're such an impressive role model, Sarah, in terms of everything that you've achieved with your business in a really short space of time. We love learning with you and talking with you. Yeah. This podcast could end up being like three hours long. Sorry, everyone. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Gonna, like, properly lean into. <laughs> that was interesting. Oh, we need that bottle of well, wine. Yeah. You sure That's we do it for wine next time? I know, I know. <laughs> it's true. There's so many different ways in which I want to kind of go in at, but I appreciate like growing your business. It comes with with time, as long as I keep in mind what it is I want to do and help and how to help, then I'm mm. sure that I will get there eventually and, and put my, and make my impact big or small. But that's my impact and that's my contribution to changing the narrative. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's incredible, and and you absolutely will. We've no doubt, and we're first in line, <laughs> by the way, for all of the <laughs> all of the things. Actually, it, it brings us on quite nicely to the next area we wanted to explore with you, which is. For many of us, and we know we know that this is true from our previous conversations with you, there's this kind of, we call it like the think big version of uh. your business. <laughs> it's that kind of, if you dare to dream, what does it look like for you? So there's a couple of things, which is, would love to understand what your think big version of your business looks like for you. And then when you do think big about your business, and that can be quite audacious Sometimes that can bring with it that sense of overwhelm and excitement. It can create a real rub. It's like, how does that make you feel when you think about that version of your yes. business? Well, I mean, the idea that dreams can come true keeps life really interesting. Yeah. It keeps me occupied. <laughs> yeah. so I'm, I'm all about dreaming big, if you like. And I think the hardest thing is to allow your brain to kind of, like you say, not put those limitations on that. So that's quite a task this was probably one of the hardest questions yeah. I have to say <laughs> but I think you know I want my brand to reach the corners of the globe I want it to be recognized but I want it to be recognized for more than just product if you like I want it to be recognized for the good that it does the impact that it has on female empowerment I want it to have recognition for the mentorship perhaps the route that I'd like to go down I'd like to have it recognized for the collaborations and the new designers coming through and where I can share that platform I want to grow my product line so from jewellery to bags, you know, I'd like to expand that out. Yes. Clothing was originally my, my first oh, okay. love. So perhaps, but again, we'll see. But even whatever it is, it will be done in the nature that I do it in terms of it will be small, it will be considered, you know, um, and it will be right. I want to confidently grow financially so I can put back and support my own organisation and nurture new talent. And I would like very much to create my own award <laughs> Yeah, I wore so like the Mobo Awards. Love it in fashion. I would, yeah, or Brilliant. just in new talents coming through, right. you know, and and really celebrate that creative industry. When I think about 
all the books I've got on black creativity, mm. whether it be art or design or music, you know, the impact that it has on what we see in the fashion industry or the music industry is huge. Mm. And it always has had a huge contribution. I'd love to be the organiser of the Mobile Awards equivalent, if you like. I love that, Sarah. Right. And if anyone's listening yeah. who, who wants to help Sarah to make that happen, then yeah. get in touch. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. And, yeah, and I suppose I just want to have a whole heap of fun doing it as well. Yeah. yeah. You know, getting there. It's got to remain fun. I've got to keep that fire in my tummy. Mm. I've got it now. I feel excited by what's happening. And each day, be it, uh, you know, an order that comes through, that gives me that excitement. And I want that to continue to escalate and to grow. Mm. So, Sarah, as we bring this conversation to a close, which I'm slightly Ooh. gutted by, <laughs> but as we bring it to a close, one of the reasons we wanted to launch this podcast was to provide real meaningful inspiration and know-how to women who are starting out or considering starting their own businesses. And also for those who are maybe a bit further along the line and starting to think about how they can really grow their businesses just wondered if you had any reflections in terms of lessons you've learned or know-how or inspiration you would share for women yeah. at either of those stages. I think the number one thing for me was keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate. Know what you're good at and focus on that and allow then for that to grow. But yeah, I think at the beginning I was as guilty of trying to overcomplicate everything, trying to think about this and then that and how does that feed into that just strip it back and keep it simple and start. I think that was the other thing was start. Yeah. <laughs> was just start. Clarity comes from the doing. And like we said before, the learning comes from making those mistakes. So don't put too many barriers up. We're not perfect. You know, even when I launched the brand back in November, I knew the website wasn't perfect. I knew I didn't have the whole complete range, but that was okay. Mm-hmm. I started, you know, and it's evolved. And, and now where I thought I wanted to be to start might not even be where I want to go now. So start and I think working with you guys at the very beginning and emptying out all of those self-limiting doubts was a really good way of stepping out of that way of thinking and learning as I had with my corporate world and now independently thinking and learning and being accountable for my how I was feeling. So yeah, definitely emptying out all those self-limited doubts mm, right. would be my top three. Right. And knowing that they are things that you can move out of your own way. I think sometimes yes. we can we can hear those thoughts and think they're fact and that they're accurate. And actually they're just thoughts and stories that, that we've created and, yes. and we can influence yeah. and shape them. Yeah. yeah. But I think definitely by being in and being surrounded by other females doing a similar thing, albeit at different stages, was extremely useful. Mm there was a common thread of what we were all feeling. It seemed to be commonplace, you know. So, you know, you weren't alone in those feelings of doubting or being worried or being scared or not knowing how to sort out a website or where to get advice from tax, you know, outsource. (laughs) (laughs) If in doubt, outsource. Outsource. It, it's fail safe. It's like, absolutely, that's the way to go. But you're right. I don't that, need to know everything. No, you don't, though. And that's a, I no. think that is such a strong point, which is, yeah. and that can really get into the, in the way of when you talk about, actually, you just need to start. Keep it simple. Just start. Part of the problem can be that expectation or we should on ourselves and go, I should know this. I should know this. I should yeah. know this. Yeah. Actually, you don't need to know all of it. You just need to know the B 
bits that you're brilliant at then there are resources and places and people who can help you figure out the other stuff like that shouldn't get in the way of just get going just start let's just just see what happens that's it that's it I was frightful of doing a newsletter I thought oh I can't I can't do a newsletter Mm. and I just started and you've done it and then I it's that isn't it and knowing that everything is achievable once you just give it the time and the space that it needs for the focus but it doesn't have to come straight away right it's all learning isn't it it's Mm -hmm. it's not about whether I got this right or wrong it's what did I learn from this and so what can I apply in the future Mm -hmm. yes it's been such a joy to be able to talk to you Sarah um, no, it's been, and it's thank been, you so it's been much. emotional. <laughs> Hopefully, next time we could do it in the same room and yes. uh, yeah. actually be together. That would be nice, wouldn't it? That would be lovely. For more on Sarah and her amazing designs, head over to bysarahchristie.com or follow her on Instagram at bysarahchristie. Next week, we're joined by Sally Calden founder and entrepreneur and artist behind Red Dog Glass Designs. For more know-how and inspiration on how to start, sustain and scale your business, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode.